Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I am Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Boulay, as always. Christian, that was much better. That was so much better. Best game of the playoffs, easily. I would argue, I mean, game one against Nashville was awesome, but considering the circumstance, yeah, considering the circumstance, who was on the ice against you, I I don't disagree. That was the best game the Avs have played so far this playoffs. Without a doubt, in my mind, the Avalanche win four to nothing in game two of the Western Conference final over the Edmonton Oilers. They completely contain Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and Pavel Fransos starts this game, Kemper still out, and records a shutout. And full credit to everybody on the team because they made his life very easy. Perfect defensive performance. McDavid and Drysaddle, zero points. Everyone on the Oilers, zero points. And the big question coming into this game for a lot of people, because this is a very Oilers-driven narrative series, was Mike Smith, and oh, he's perfect in game twos. He was still good in this game, but you're not playing the Kings anymore. He was really good in this game. I thought Mike Smith... And the first period kept the Oilers in it because if it wasn't for him, it could have been a lot worse. We could we could have realistically had eight tonight. We could have. And Mike Smith made a couple big saves. And I don't think he's the reason why the Oilers lost the game tonight. Not even close. The Oilers lost this game because they're outmatched. They they are not playing. They're not playing L.A. and they're not playing a Calgary Calgary team with no depth. They're outmatched and they know it. And they are digging into the well for a team for the playbook for a team that is outmatched in the playoff series. They tried to get physical. They tried to get under the Avs skin after the game. They're blaming the refs. You got Evander Kane throwing elbows. They are just reaching into the bottom of the barrel of that playbook right now. And they failed miserably in this game. They're outmatched. They're, they are outmatched and it, it's not hard for the Oilers. It's a pretty, it's a pretty easy game plan. It's very hard to do, but if you're playing against the Oilers, it's shut down Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, and you win probably 99% of the time. Yeah. It's a very easy game plan, but it is very hard to execute because that's two of the best players in the world. I last saw this stat a long time ago, and I'm sure it's posted somewhere, but I can't look right now. Their their record when McDavid and Dreisaitl do not post a point is abysmal. Regular season end playoffs. It's not surprising. That's the least surprising stat you've probably ever read. But, I mean, like you said at the beginning of the show, the Avs as a whole deserve so much credit for the defensive effort they put in front of Pavel Francouz today. It was their uh, it was their best defensive performance of the playoffs. I'd argue the regular season too. It was great, and we gave a lot of sh- a lot of shit to Jack Johnson and Josh Manson after Game One. Game Two, they were both fantastic. They were good. They were, they were really, really really good. good. Obviously, Josh Manson scored, but I don't want that to take all the credit. He was very good defensively. He had his turnovers. You know, it's it's a Josh Manson thing. It's what he does. He and Jack Johnson fit into the system perfectly tonight. And and I'm glad you brought that up because I want to clear the air. I do not hate these players at all. I love these guys. They had a bad game one. They were fantastic tonight. I'd also say, was there anyone who was bad tonight? I don't don't think so. I I don't think so. I mean, you could make like – you're digging at you're digging into the bottom of the well but i mean val wasn't super great i thought he was pretty good and he was good but like that's the thing like like, you're 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 grasping for air trying to find an absolute possession wise val was a monster especially on the boards i'd say the the worst part of this game we're just gonna get this out of the way so we can be all positive the rest of the way the five on three was terrible i thought i thought rantanen was bad on the five on three he was bad and i I, for one, uh, I thought, I mean, it's not like I'm in my own thoughts about this, but when you don't score in a five on three, you usually don't win those games. Oh yeah. I was, I was waiting for the Oilers to, to get the goal after that. I was like, oh, you didn't score on a 93 second five on three. You're yeah. in deep shit now. And nope. 
they, they just said, nah, we're good. We're better five on five anyway. <laughs> we're better with five guys and they have five guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was probably the only negative you can take away from this game is yeah, the, the power play didn't look great. It, it gets, it looks worse when you look at the false stats because the, uh, Oilers at the end of the game took like two or three, just garbage penalties. Um, yeah. They're trying, they're trying to hurt people at the yeah. end of the game. They took, let's see in the final, uh, 11 minutes, one, two, three, four penalties of Andrew Kane with two of them. Yeah. Like it's we could go on a tirade about Evander Kane, but we'll just keep letting this play do the, do the talking for him. Yeah. I mean, if you want to stay in the box by all means, yeah. if you want to be a piece of shit off the ice and on it and go right ahead, buddy. I, I don't, we'll, we'll leave Evander Kane out of it. Cause we could go on like an hour long episode just about all the shit Evander Kane's done off the ice. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, the abs just, they kicked the shit out of the Oilers tonight. Like it's just plain and simple. You don't need yeah, over. They, they destroyed the Oilers. They destroyed the Oilers. They had the perfect game plan for them. And game two, Mike Smith that everyone kept typing up, could not save them. Nope. He couldn't save them tonight. And I, I want to go back to the defenseman because there's a player who you tweeted out about it, that the Oilers were making a bunch of runs at him and it didn't even phase him. And he played, his best game of the playoffs, in my opinion. And that's Bo Byram. I mean, he didn't, he didn't have too many points in this game, but it was probably the most time on ice he's had yeah. since, since the playoffs started. Yeah. McCarr played 25, Taze played 23, Byram played 21. Your third best defenseman. 20 years old and is actively being one thing that I don't, th- I don't think a lot of people saw very early in the game, Byram skating away from Duncan Keith, Keith two hands him in the back of the leg. Byram didn't even flinch, didn't even hurt him. <laughs> that's, that's Duncan Keith, by the way, 38-year-old pylon who is well past his glory days, slashing a 20-year-old in the back of the legs. You had Kane and Nurse going after him on the boards too. Didn't phase him at all. No. This he kid was, is mature. He's younger than me. He's more mature than I am. He was fantastic tonight, dude. And I don't want it to get overshadowed in the greatness. Uh, and it kind of does because Kale McCarr and Devon Taves are two of the best defensemen on planet Earth. Uh, but Bo Byram has, if this kid can stay healthy, man, he is going to be an absolute terror, not only this year, but next year. And the year after that. Byram goes on the trajectory that I think he's going on. He's going to rob McCarr of Norris's because he's going to be on the same team as him. And for some reason that takes away votes. Like this could be a problem for McCarr's legacy because Byram is so good already that Like he might not be as good as Kale McCarr, but Kale McCarr is on the trajectory to be the best defenseman of this generation. You're talking Byram's 80% of that. That's not fair. That's top 10 defenseman in the league. Yeah, that's not fair. I I cannot stress enough that we have, I think, 12 days until he's no longer 20 and he'll finally be of drinking age. He's got a drinking age in Canada. eh? Oh, yeah. (laughs) If he keeps playing well in Edmonton, he might be owed a few drinks. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I wanted to go on that this episode and just talk about Bo Byram because he was making so many plays. I wanted him to get a goal so bad in that final minute. He you could, tell, so you could tell they were trying to get him the shot. And I – like, that's just how – I have no indications if this team is as close as I think they are. But setting up a guy who had played as well as Bo Byram in that game to give him the shot – I think shows a lot of like, Hey, we we're rewarding you for all the hard work you put in tonight. Absolutely. And that like, that's the last thing he has to develop really is just that shot, getting that to go. He's so close. The second he gets that, that's terrifying. He's all, he's better than he he's better defensively already than he is offensively. And he's still a massive threat on offense. It's he, he, it's like you just said, he's, he's this close to scoring. He, he could realistically in this playoffs. I don't think it's crazy to say he could have five goals in this playoffs without question. He could have even more. If he scored on every opportunity, we're talking, he has like nine. Yeah. Cause he's, he's had a ton of chances. And one of them's going to go. Oh one yeah. Of them's gonna go. It's, it's going to be the series clincher. I'll tell oh, you. Oh, I hope so, man. He's so. he deserves that so badly. He's not gonna he's not gonna score it until that his first goal is gonna be the series clincher. Oh, that'd be sick. He's just having that kind of playoff right now where he gets no recognition until the big one. Like much like Darren Helm against St. Louis. He had a great series, overshadowed by a ton of things. Now he's all we talk about because he scored the winner. Yeah. I I really think that's a possibility, man. He 
Bo Byram, I, I, we got to give him his flowers because I, is there a player on the abs who is more deserving to be having this type of success right now? Other than Bo Byram, like you could make, there's a lot of abs who deserve it, but like Bo Byram at such a young age has been through so damn much. After everything he's been through, I don't even think it's really a competition. Yeah. Like he is playing his best hockey he's played all year in the biggest moments. And I, I just feel so damn good for him, but um we can move on because we could talk about Bo Byram, I feel like, for another like 45 minutes. <laughs> in, in the offseason, we might just have an episode where we just gush about how good Bo Byram is already. Okay. That'll that, be might, that might just be one of them. Yeah, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, I would be too, but we'll, we'll yeah, see we that until then. Getting to the game itself, uh, the Oilers were never really truly in this, I felt. The first period, while it was scoreless, I think was the Oilers' best period. But even then, the Avs, they were in control here they, they were in control that whole period like i texted you i was saying like the shot count is close but the abs are dominating this period and yeah. they just continued they didn't get frustrated um and then finally in the second period uh a player who had an unreal game nazim cat i don't know how that play quite happened um i haven't really watched the replay of it quite yet but Kadri just steals the puck rips one and gets tipped by Lecky. Am I remembering it right? You're making a face at me. No, you're good. The the audio, <laughs> your audio skipped for a quick second. I was making sure oh, that okay. was, I was making sure that wasn't a thing. But yeah, the to open the scoring on the play, Kadri just throws it on net after a beautiful play by Arturi Lecky. This yeah, this yeah. game was a Lecky masterclass. This is exactly why you got him. He forces the turnover that starts this entire play. It goes right to Kadri. Lekkinen parks himself in front of that just gets enough of it to fool Mike Smith and put the abs up one to nothing. And after that, the floodgates were wide open. Mike Smith broke once. And once again, is Lekkinen and Kadri winning a battle on the boards, getting it over to a wide open Josh Manson all the time in the world and just rips it right through Mike Smith completely clean. It, it was no joke. We were still celebrating the Lekkinen goal. And Manson scored 15 seconds. I was, I was still tweeting out the, the Lekkinen thing because I, yeah. couldn't, I, couldn't fi- I couldn't find the gif. Uh, like, he, it was so quick to be 2 nothing. I was like, oh, okay, cool. This, uh, it's going to be this type of game again. And, I mean, Josh Manson, we already talked about him. Best bounce back game for him so far in the playoffs. And he was really good tonight, and he, he deserved that goal. I, I was joking with you before we – jumped on here. Josh Manson started feeling himself a little bit after that. And he got himself in a little bit of trouble with a couple turnovers, but I mean, he, they didn't lead to goals. Um, and when he's playing that well, it's hard to, it's hard to keep that horse in the stable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, we ragged on Josh Manson last episode and deservedly. So he was, you could directly credit four goals against yep. towards him and poor plays. But that's kind of just been the microcosm of this whole team in the playoffs. They've been able to bounce back from things. And that's the number one thing that I've asked for in these playoffs. After, after the first loss to St. Louis, even after the second one, wipe it away. Come back. Bounce back with a great performance. And we didn't lose game one, but it wasn't good. No one was particularly happy about that game. They bounced back from that and went from allowing six goals to zero. And Josh Manson, after being the worst player on the ice, was great in this yeah. game. It just shows how you got the stats for how many minutes did you play? I was, it was, let me see. Manson, he played 1537. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Eric Johnson played 1605 and Jack played 11 minutes. It's that's this is exactly what it should be. You know, McCarr at 25, Taze at 23, Byram at 21, Manson 15, Johnson 16, Eric Johnson 16, and Jack at 11. That's that's the perfect split, isn't it? Because you're not. You can put McCarr out there against Connor McDavid like you did several times, and he had a perfect defensive performance against him and not have to rely on him at all points and exhaust him. Because I feel like that kind of did happen in game one where you rode McCarr a ton. Well, did you see what Bednar did? What I thought was a great strategic move by him, once Whitcroft split up Dreisaitl and McDavid, he split up Taves and McCarr. And it, it was a great matchup because at least you have one of your top defenders out there on the ice whenever one of the best players in the world is coming down the ice. It was excellent mat line matching. Bednar took full advantage of the last change in both of these games and got the matchup he wanted. 
And credit to Jared Bednar and the coaching staff for identifying what was going to work. And they executed it to a T. Yeah. I, this, this was an, another masterclass from Jared Bednar in this game. He identified the things that needed to be fixed. I mean, it's a credit to a team like this and their coach when they could just adjust to things this quickly and yeah. not allow the Oilers to play their games. Like, oh, you're going to split up Dreisaitl and McDavid. Okay, well, here's two of our best defensemen every single time they're on the ice. And they got frustrated very quickly, mm-hmm. McDavid and Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl especially was Dude, very I- – I was going to talk about this. this. Yeah, yeah, like, good joke there. Um, I really like Leon Dreisaitl. I do. I'm worried this series is going to make me realize how much of a crybaby bitch he is. I mean, we like, really don't see Dreisaitl get shut down that often. But when we do, he gets mad. Yeah. Like, and it, he, I, I don't want to hate him because I think he's a very good player. I mean, you I can, have you a can hate him in this series. And yeah. I, I, I did not realize how much of a crybaby he was. Like there were a couple of times, I think it was it Miko in the faceoff circle after Miko and Kadri on the same play. Yeah. Like he was just, he was, he was a baby tonight, like truly a baby. I'll give McDavid credit. I don't think he was too much of a crybaby tonight. Like he was just. Yeah. I bet he felt embarrassed for the rest of his line mates. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it was just, I don't want to hate Leon Dreisaitl, and I don't know about you. I swear we'll get back to the game here in a second. But whenever Connor McDavid has the ice, I think I was yeah uh, talking to my sister like, "Oh shit!" Every time he has the puck, oh yeah, like it, it's just a oh shit moment, and I feel bad for the people sitting next to me uh, because they just hear me say "oh shit" probably a hundred times in the game whenever McDavid or Dreisaitl has the puck. Yeah, I, don't I think mean, that's I, a crazy thing. To no, be that's not a crazy thing at all. I mean, I felt the same way when McDavid had the puck early on as the game went on and I realized just how good of a job we were doing at shutting him and his line down. I kind of got less afraid because I realized, Oh, we, we know how to handle this. He's just a dude at the end of the day. And if you have the right game plan and the the talent to match him, you can beat him. Oh, you can beat him, but he's still just that fucking good. That every time he has a puck, I just say, Oh shit. Yeah. (laughs) There's very few players in the world that I, I will say that about. I think he's uh, the only Nathan one. McKinnon when he says like Nathan McKinnon, I say that just because it's like, oh shit, that good stuff's about to happen. Um, a guy who's still in that class for me, even though he's not as good these past couple of years, is Nikita Kucherov. I still say kind of oh shit about him and Sidney Crosby and Connor McDavid. Like you just have to say oh shit whenever those guys have the puck. Yeah, and then, and in the regular season, you can apply that to Austin Matthews, maybe. Yeah, that's fair. So, but yeah, let's get back to the game because. The Avs were not done scoring in the second period. Uh, a guy who has now doubled his goal output from the previous two series. Yep. Um, seems to be warming up. We gave him some shit on the five on three. But after that, I thought he was great. Uh, Miko Rantanen gets another goal in this game uh, off a beautiful feed by Nazem Kadri. And the Avs go up three nothing in the blink of an eye. I swear it was, it was, it was like a snap of your finger. And it yeah, was, it was uh, let's see, it was about two minutes and four seconds for the game to go from tied. You don't really know where this is going to go. Is Smith just going to have a, a nine seventy game two and hold the four three, nothing just like that. And Nazem Gadri having the, the period of his life here. And Dude, we talked about that on the preview. Nazem Kadri was going to have an opportunity to feast in the series. And so far he has. Yeah. Absolutely. And Ranton finishing this play. Now, all of a sudden, he's got three goals in the playoffs, two in this series and two games. And looks like he's kind of getting back to normal a little bit. I think whatever was bothering him earlier in the playoffs has either gotten to bang back in place or heal a bit because he looked bothered early in the playoffs. Yeah. And I, I, for as talented as Miko Ranton, and you got to remember, like, I, I say you got to remember, like, I know him. Um, you have to just imagine that he's still a confidence based player. And if the puck's not going in, I mean, we've seen what it does to Berkey and we've seen what it's done to other members of the abs. But once you see one go in, it floodgates could open. And I really think he's going to continue to have a big series. And I really like him playing with Kadri and Lekanen. I really like that line. That line is killer. It's, it's killing the Oilers. They don't, they don't have an answer for it. Nope. Because the only answer they can possibly muster is to split up McDavid and Dreisaitl. 
That's the only thing they can do to even have a prayer of matching it. Because outside of that, it's you throw Kane or Hyman down there, you know, they're pretty good, but it's Nugent Hopkins in the middle. And I don't even remember who else is even on that line. It was Yamamoto until, Yamamoto he, got until he got hurt. So but like, but that's I, what I mean, like Yamamoto. Yeah. They're not stopping. I mean, Kale McCarthy, or not Kale McCarthy, I've said so many times. Nazem Kadri and Miko Rantanen are, they could be top line forwards on 95% of other teams. And they're being a, one of the best second lines in the league right now. So I love that line. I don't think you break it up. I really oh. don't. I, I was surprised. Um, was that, was it lucky on the, was Lucky on that line in the first game, or was he on the line with McKinnon and Landeskog in the They, they had Nachushkin on the top line in the first game. They did, okay. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know if they had broken that up. But, I mean, that line works. The first line works. I thought the third line, I was a little nervous going into the game about them, especially with Berkey. Um, I, which, I thought they were okay. Yeah. In this game. But I mean, it, lose, it, losing it, Berkey, I think, in favor of Knack sucks. It, it was interesting to me that Bednar wouldn't comment if it was a healthy scratch or not for Berkey because we never really got confirmation that he's hurt. So yeah, but I'm, people, I'm interested people see... reported that they saw him limping around the arena this morning. Yeah. So. I mean, Bednar, it's interesting that Bednar refused to comment on it. But the Are third you surprised line was, by that at all? No, not even <laughs> a little bit. But the, the third line I thought was okay after they were really good in game one. Nack's just kind of a dead puck guy. I still thought he was good in this game. There was really nobody who was bad in this game. I thought his puck pressure was great, but offensively, it feels like the puck just kind of dies on his stick. Yeah, there's not much. He's not an offensive player. He's just not. Um, and I, I do think that uh, Newhook was noticeable on a couple shifts. I thought JT Comfer had a couple chances, but they just did their job defensively. They They didn't do anything bad. They didn't do anything great. And... If that's if you're holding the other team's line without scoring, that's a win in my book because you can leave the scoring to your top six, which has yeah, been I mean, unreal so far this year. Right, when you when you have every other line rolling like that, all you really need to do is to have a line where just nothing happens. Yeah, and that's not a bad thing. It's no, really not, not a bad all. thing. So um, I also want to give a shout out to the fourth line again is just so fucking good. Dude. Logan O'Connor is an animal. He's back to being the Logan O'Connor from the beginning of the year. I'd say he's better than the Logan O'Connor from the beginning of the year. The one at the beginning of the year was just scoring. This guy is the legitimate beast. They threw them out there a couple times against McDavid, and they did just fine. And it worked. I mean, I I don't know. I love this fourth line so much. Darren Helm is still skating like a madman. Cogliano's still getting some chances. I mean, he, he had a goose egg on the stat sheet everywhere. But... That's one of those things where you can't get fooled by the box score because he was really good in this game. The entire fourth line was really good in my, like going out there against McDavid and shutting them down for the three or four times they matched up against him. That's a win in your books. 95% of the time. There was a, there was a point where I think Logan O'Connor stole a puck on the four check and it led to. That's exactly what what I was thinking of when I said the beast, that play where he just flies like a madman into the zone. I forget who he stripped to the puck, but he knocked him into the board, stripped the puck away, almost found Cogliano for a scoring chance. Then he did it again on the same shift. Like, what do you do against a fourth? Like, you think that's supposed to be your break. It's like, oh, the fourth line's out there and they're in your face like a, like a bunch of water bugs. This is exactly what I wanted out of the fourth line all season. Just be annoying little gnats every time you're on the ice. And all of them have fit that bill perfectly. So far, so good with it. And I feel bad for a guy like Nico Sturm, but there's unless injuries happen, there's a zero percent chance he's cracking back. Yeah, I mean line. that that fourth line, you can't touch it right no. now at all. There's a reason why the, the the conversation for scratches starts with knack because you can't touch that fourth line. There, it's a huge difference against the Oilers, where they played Cassian. I think five minutes in this game. Yeah, Cassian played six forty three. Archibald played five thirty. And Yamamoto got hurt, but he played 828. And like a guy like Poyarvi's playing 11 minutes. Fogel's playing 11 minutes. Like they are leaning on their top guys. We can roll our fourth line out there, no problem. I have complete faith in them right now. I mean, they're, they've been one of the better lines for this team so far. 
and Consist- consistency wise, absolutely. You know exactly what to expect from them game after game. You know, and, and some teams overrate their their fourth lines, especially like a like Calgary, like they're like, oh, Milan Lucic does so much for us. You watch him and he does nothing. Yeah. Our fourth line is actually so incredibly effective for what we want to do because you get them out there. They're probably not going to score unless there's five seconds left in the series, but you get them out there, you hem them in their own zone, you get in their face, you exhaust them even more, you get them off the ice, and then you throw the big boys on there to do damage. That's where this fourth line fits perfectly. Yeah, they're just a bunch of angry, angry guys who are just really fucking good at forechecking and playing defensive hockey. Um, and that ends the second period with them being up 3 nothing. Well, we also forget that the Oilers, they had a huge power play here. Oh, yeah. Second period. They, had two two. they had two. Two huge power plays late in the second period. And they got nothing on them. I was, I was scared here because oh, they yeah. were like, okay, okay, well, you kill these off, massive momentum back in your favor. You let one in, then the third period gets pretty interesting. The avalanche penalty kill, I don't think, has ever looked better. Not this year. Like that, that was the best it's looked all year. I mean – they, there was a point, I think it was on the first power play, McDavid and Drysdale had the puck for like the first minute of the power play, but they did nothing. They were just circling well, the zone. They couldn't. Yeah. The, the, the middle of the ice, which is what I've been begging for on the penalty kill, was completely clogged. The best chance the Oilers had was a Tyson Berry shot from the point with no traffic in front that Francois saw the entire way. He was you made the night easy for Francois, And it's like we said in uh, after the game one, like the abs will make adjustments to the power to the penalty kill. And they made the adjustments and it was perfect tonight. And even though the others, like you said, they'd created zero chances off of that, off those power, but they built zero momentum off of those power plays. Yeah. It put momentum back in our favor. Yeah. The, the first one was great. I thought the second one was even better. I mean, if you look at this, I got just out of curiosity, I looked at the expected goals five on five in all situations. You go to all situations instead of five on five for the Oilers, it goes up 0.01. That is not usually what you see for a power play's expected goals. Ours goes up if we go all situations by uh, two entire points. Not 0.0, not like 0.2, 2.0 or a little less than that, even if I'm doing the math wrong. But that's usually what you see when you go from like five on five to all situations. 0.01 on two power plays for the Oilers. That's a damn good penalty kill. It's a damn good penalty kill. And they're going to continue to get better, I think, as the series moves on. So now we're officially at the end of the second period. For me personally, once we killed off that, I think it was like a minute and 15 it was, like, it was like 45 seconds, but yeah. Yeah, that was huge. Getting the, through the end of that period and going up 3 nothing into the third period, I think, was such a confidence boost going in. I honestly forgot a little bit that we were going to start the third period on the penalty kill. I'm not going to lie. I'm yeah. not going to lie to you. But the Oilers, I don't even think they cycled the zone once. No, I don't, I don't know if they got into the zone yeah. at all on that 45 second. They did nothing. And Absolutely. that really set the tone. I thought there was a little bit early on where we were getting a little sloppy on defense, maybe just a little bit, but we still had the better scoring chances. Oh, and yeah. you know what else? The Oilers had zero scoring chances in the third. Crazy. Start to fit. Unfathomable. What, what is this Jekyll and Hyde in the third period sometimes where you get the last p- third period against the Oilers where you, you really let them back in game five against the Blues and then you get game three and four against the Blues. Perfect thirds. And this one, game perfect six. third period. Game, game six, six amazing third period. Keep doing this, please. Yeah, it makes it way too easy. Like that was, that third period was probably the least stressful period of hockey, playoff hockey you can imagine. Like we're talking playoff hockey, Western Conference final. And that was, I felt like I was just sitting back and just watching a regular season game because that's just how I felt. I felt so confident going in. So, yeah, I mean, and again, looking at I'm relying on money puck a lot here. The Oilers started the third period with 0.91 expected goals. They finished with 1.06. That does not happen for a team trailing by three. And the Avalanche, statistically, this was their best period of the game. 
This does not happen. You don't just do that against the Oilers. The desperate an, an offensive powerhouse, desperate for goals. Pa- wow. Yeah, quote unquote powerhouse against LA, maybe. Yeah, but it, it's it was a fantastic third period by the Abs, um, and the third period, I, like you said, they had a couple. I thought the Abs had a couple good scoring chances, but to me, this third period was just a masterclass of being a sore loser and that's what the Edmonton there is going to be a bunch of full diapers on that plane ride home to Edmonton what a bunch of babies hey everybody hope you've been enjoying this episode so far interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook hockey fans the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on and DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NHL has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. All you have to do is bet $5 on any team to win and you get $100 no matter the result. It is literally free money. And if that's not enough, if you're looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs with DraftKings same game parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds whenever you want at your convenience. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win, and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Now, back to the episode. It was like a Vander Kame. That's a team that doesn't know how to deal with adversity. Yeah. Like a Vander Kame, we already talked about, was just the ultimate, ultimate. I mean, keep your elbows down, you piece yeah. of trash. What are you doing? Yeah, like he was, he was bad. Um, and then Darnell Nurse at the at the end of the third period. I don't know what Val did to him that he had to cross check him like five times in the he, back. He had the puck, and the yeah. Oilers were losing by four. You know so. what that reminded me of? Remember when EJ did that? in a game and it bit the abs in the ass in the regular the wild season. the wild was it, game. The, was it the wild game yeah it was on jost no 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 remember there was a game earlier this year where he cross-checked he got away with like two and then he took oh, another one that I was boston was, that was it boston? boston it was taylor hall after he that's right the, the fact that there's multiple ej ones but yeah that's yeah, what I know that, exactly. yeah, that was back in january or yeah. after mckinnon got his face smashed by taylor hall on that high stick eric johnson just one, two, three, four, five cross checks in the back. And they let him get away with the first three. Yeah. That's what that play reminded me of from Darnell Nurse. I don't know what Val did, but nothing. He had the puck. Yeah. And Nurse so... wanted to hurt him. Like th- this is where I lost a lot of respect for the Oilers. That this had nothing to do with sending the message. You're trying to hurt people. You're throwing elbows. You're putting cross checks into the back and into the boards and trying to hit their face into the boards. You want easier matchups next game. That's what it is. You're outmatched and you know it. That was the message in the locker room before the game. Get physical because we can't stop them. Yeah. And it's a loser, it's a loser mentality. And when that doesn't work, and when they failed miserably and the abs ran all over them, what else do you do other than get your goons out on the ice and try to hurt people? Yeah. It it was it's embarrassing. (laughs) It was was pretty funny to watch. I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm glad none of our players got hurt because I would have been livid if that would have happened. Like that play by Kane where he just tackled Manson from behind I don't know and, and going palms up to the refs yeah. like dude go to the box like I don't here. I don't know about you you may be too young to remember this but I'm sure you heard did you ever watch the Steve Moore Todd Bertuzzi play I watched it a while ago I'm vague on yeah like it was that's what it kind of reminded me of the way he like just drove Manson's head into the ice yeah okay like, I was I was real worried that Manson was going to get hurt on that play I'm thankful yeah. he got up you you watch you watch the replay on it. it didn't seem that bad, but it was the it's just Kane going after him. I had a problem with him going after Kale. Like yeah. clear as day, is like, oh, that's Kale McCarr. I'm gonna cross check him and hit him. Then he's gonna dump his puck away, stare down the whole time, chicken wing up in the air. Get out of here. You don't belong in the league no, if you're pulling that shit in the Western Conference final. He's so you bad. garbage. And so is Darnell Nurse and 
Yeah, I mean, they they tried to send the message. And so is Zach Cassian. Fuck him too. Yeah. With that, the but like that, I don't know how they gave Byram a penalty. So Byram gets hit into the Oilers bench. Cassian just pulls his helmet off, and they're holding him on the bench and cross-checking him in the back. Byram's like, "Get off me!" and pushes them off. And it's offsetting. First of all, if you are on the bench and interfering with the play, get your ass out of this game. Are you kidding me? So bad, dude. He, he Zach Cassian, that's all he's good for now because he's he not a bit in six minutes. Anymore. And yeah. half of it was at the end of the game when they're trying to hurt people. You serve no purpose in this league. You're a bum. <laughs> you got contracts from incompetent general managers that overestimate your value to no end. You have three points in the playoffs. Like you don't belong in this league. You're a relic. You serve no purpose. If you were on a team like the abs, you would be in the ECHL. If he's lucky, he'd be on the ACHL at this point, man. How many years does he have left on his contract? I feel like he signed a pretty big Way more than you think. He's got this one and next, which is much less than I thought. Yeah. No, he's got got two left because Cap Friendly switched over. So he's got two years left after this. What's he making? 3.2. Oh, that's bad. For six minutes on the ice. That's bad, dude. We give JT Comfer shit, but it could be a lot worse. At least JT Comfer <laughs> belongs in the league and yeah. can score. Zach Cassian played six minutes in a Western Conference final <laughs> game, and his most notable contribution was when he was on the bench. <laughs> Get lost. You don't belong here. Oh, so funny, dude. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that third period was just a masterclass of them being crybabies. And to cap off the game, uh, Nathan McKinnon after Mike Smith made a couple good saves. I thought, yeah, I, I, I will attest that Mike Smith was still good in this game. The abs put 40 shots on him and this could have been a lot worse. This one happens because he lost his glove and I think it was CC tried to get to him. He can't put it back on McKinnon rips it blocker side, not glove side just goes right through him. Yeah. I mean, it was just the chef's kiss to the end of the night. And we should also say this came on the power play that came from Evander Kane uh, putting his elbows out on Kale McCarr, a game-ending penalty. Yeah. Which for was... anyone else would get you benched. But Vander Kane when you're Evander Kane, and oh, you're, I guess you're just good at hockey. Yeah. It's, the only, <laughs> it's the only thing you can do. I guess, you know, he's not going to face any repercussions for it. So, abs win for nothing. Oh, we forgot to talk about this because I, I feel like it's a pretty big story. Um at the end of the game, uh, Gabriel Landeskog, in the moment, I, I remember I thought it was a little bit of a questionable hit, but you confirmed to me it was a clean hit. Yeah, this, the uh, second period one, I, yeah. I, Woodcroft had a problem with this. I, yeah. I really don't know what he's talking about. I really try to be objective when it comes to stuff like this and bad hits. But if we're going to call the Jacob Truba stuff on Seth Jarvis okay, there is no problem with this at all. Kyler Yamamoto, I try not to rag on short players, is like what? five seven maybe maybe Maybe, like i actually don't know i might be overestimating that he's five eight i'm sorry he didn't even hit him in the head he hit him clean through the numbers and yamamoto hit the ground hard i don't even know if he had i don't even know if it has anything to do with his head he just got hit hard yeah i didn't even think anything of it there was no penalty on the play nor should there have been i I remember in live action i looked at it and i was like oh shit that looked a little yeah, and, it, questionable. and then you look and then you look back out on the replay and you're like, they are reaching for the stars here. Yeah. Calling for this to be looked at. Jay, you, are we really doing the Pete DeBoer thing again from from last year where things aren't going your way? So you are going to appeal to Gary Bettman himself to get some calls. Stop. Just yeah. stop. He, he, I'm glad to know it wasn't a hit, a, a dangerous hit because. I haven't watched it yet. So I wanted to, I wanted to make sure it was good and I trust your judgment on it. So I I am very like head hit bad kind of guy. I do not look at any of that. And like when we do it, I don't give us breaks either. That was not a head hit, nor a dangerous play, nor can you say Landis Cog, Hey, don't do this next time. It's not like Jacob Truba who's given out four concussions over the last six months and has gotten away with every single one. last six games, dude. Yeah, in the playoffs, he's concussed two guys. He concussed Sidney Crosby, and then Seth Seth Jarvis didn't remember the game. Oh, really? Yes. Did you see this quote? Like, he remembered his time on the ice. He remembered some stuff on the lock. He didn't remember how he got home. That's crazy, dude. And and people sit there and be like, oh, but it's a great hit. Clearly not. 
<laughs> if that's a great if that's a great hit, I hate to see your definition of bad. Yeah. So I I, I trust your judgment on it. Um, and Woodcroft really just sounds to be he, he's just reaching for anything to get his team going. Um, but truly, the best game the Abs have played. We're on to Edmonton for Game Three. I want to get your thoughts on Game Three because. The Avs haven't lost on the road in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, I can't be in the re- in the arena in Canada, so they've just generally <laughs> had no problems. We gotta, we'll talk about that more. If the Avs do go on and finish this off this year, <laughs> two of their only this two. Is, home this is actually a genuine TV. problem because yeah. the Avs have lost two games in the playoffs. I've been to two Avs games in my life. Oh, <laughs> two, In my life. And it was their two just – bed shitting performance of the playoffs their worst game of game two and just the complete and utter choke job of game five yeah (laughs) every other game has not been a problem we've won every single one even even the other games i watched in colorado the the two the three road games that i watched i watched in bars and i watched at your place on televisions I was not actively there for them. And then all three. no problem. <laughs> if the avalanche, like, let's just say purely for hypothetical sake, they sweep this series at very least win in five and win the next home game. I do not know if I can come with you to the final games. I don't know if I can in good conscience do that to this team, because if they lose one of those games, I'll just say this. I might go to one. If they lose, I can't come back. No. You could, I mean, you could come back. The thing is, we need to get you to come out for some regular season games so you can get the mojo flowing in regular season games. Playoffs is tough because I'm the same way. Like, I'm just that superstitious where it's like, all right, he may not just have the mojo for this, but we need to get the mojo going. Like, there's a couple jerseys. Like, I have, like, a couple jerseys that I won't wear in the playoffs because they had a losing record during the regular season. I mean, I, I, I keep I track have, of all that shit. I have jerseys. I wore both of my Av jerseys. I wore the Macar one to game two. They lost. So I switched to Berkey the rest of the trip. I wore the Berkey one to game five and they lost. I've yeah. worn the McCarr one for both wins against Edmonton. I don't think the jerseys are the problem. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. So we're just both that superstitious. But yeah, we, we will have to see <laughs> if we get that far. We're, we're really trying to jump ahead. It's only two nothing in the series, but it would be funny if that's the case. Um, but for game three, abs going on the road. The way I'm looking at these two games, just split. Yeah, if you can I win mean, one the, or two in Edmonton, you're feeling good. And if, if you sweep this series on the road, like that's insane and the, a testament to this team. Getting a split is the absolute best case scenario. And looking at this game three, I mean, there's really they have all the momentum right now. You get the first goal of the game, you quiet the Oilers crowd you continue to get Frankie to play the way he's going. Cause you're playing Frankie, even if Kemper's healthy next game. I mean, yeah, we can talk about that real quick. What, what your thoughts are. I still think it's Darcy Kemper's um, job, but right now he needs to be hundred percent healthy. Cause here's the thing, man. I don't think he was hundred percent healthy when he started. No, and, and the way that Bednar was talking after the, the day after it was like, there was some circumstances leading into the game makes me think he wasn't fully healthy. And if that's another circumstance, that's that might explain a couple of things about how he's played so he far. He was playing great in the Nashville series until he got poked in the eye. Yeah, he played two games against Nashville, got poked in the eye, comes back incredibly mediocre against the Blues and was bad before he got pulled in this game. But also, like, even if Frankie is 100% ready to go, I just don't think you overthink this. No. Frankie just came off a shutout. The group responded well to him playing in net and put up a perfect performance in front of him. Right now, you have house money with Frankie. You ride him until it's no longer sustainable, and then you put Kemper back in. It, I think it's just that simple. It is 100% that simple. Uh, it's not really a debate. I, I don't think it's Darcy Kemper when he comes back healthy. I think it, when Darcy comes back healthy – he'll get the job back because Pablo Francois was great tonight, but he has limitations. He has limitations. Right. Kemper has the higher ceiling and is capable of making 50 saves. But there is also a thing that I think the avalanche defense, this is not a knock on Kemper at all. I don't want that to be interpreted as this. I think the way they play defense sometimes translates to Frankie a little better 
because Kemper responds more to pressure, as we've seen. When he faces 45 shots, he's more likely to make a ton of saves just because he's so locked in. With Frankie, I think if you give him an easier night, he's going to make the easy saves. And sometimes Kemper just doesn't. That's not a knock on Kemper at all. But the way we've been saying that all regular season, dude. The way the Avalanche played in this game, I mean, they really could not have made life much easier for Frankie in this game. I mean, was was there really a time where like Frankie was like, oh man, what an amazing save? He made a couple amazing plays with a stick that I thought were really good. Yeah, there was the there was the two on one that he broke up. That was a huge momentum shift in the game, and I mean. I really think it's simple. You ride Frankie until you can't, and then you put Kemper back in. Yep, I completely agree. I'm just watching the the replay of Zach Cassian being a dirty fuck. Sorry. Um, his face is so fucking funny in it, too. <laughs> yeah, he's an ugly piece of shit, too. Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, I, I agree. It, it's Darcy Kemper's job when he's back fully healthy, because I think when he's fully healthy, this team is – we know what Darcy Kemper is when he's fully healthy. Yeah. I mean, that's really the only question surrounding this team right now, isn't it? Is the goaltending is can Frankie keep this performance up? And if Kemper's back in the net, can he go back to regular season performance? That is the only thing I can see right now that can possibly prevent this team from winning the whole thing. They've got everything they need. Otherwise. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I mean they, they could have beaten the blues in five games if it wasn't for a bad game from Darcy Kemper. Right. right. A, a better third period, a better game from Kemper. I mean, a better third period from the team, a better yeah. game from Kemper. They win that series in five. And we're potentially talking right now, this team is 10 and one in the playoffs instead of 10 and two, you know, what was us, I guess. But I, that's really it. Cause you look at goals above expected, the avalanche have the worst goaltending left in the playoffs at this point, the Rangers and the lightning have the best and the Oilers surprisingly have had good goaltending in these playoffs for Mike Smith. He's the goaltending was not the reason why the Oilers lost this game tonight. Yeah, and you look you look otherwise. It's outside of Game One, Smith's been pretty good. Yeah, it's the Avalanche by far right now have the worst goaltending. You get some new blood in there. They still right? lost two games, in these and they have lost two fucking games because this team is. The, I, I really think this is the best team we've seen in decades in the NHL, top to bottom. Ooh. I'm not ready to go that far. If they win the cup, maybe I'd go that far. On on the ice, they are the 2013 Blackhawks, I really think are the only ones that come close, even. Agreed. The 2013 Blackhawks were truly a special team. They were shitheads, but they were truly a special team. Right. And I like goaltending, I think, is the only thing that can stop us. If you get this from Frankie, you if Kemper comes back and gives you 80% of this. You're, That's you're, all the abs have needed this year. You, like you just need a chance. Yeah. There have been times in the playoffs about- where Kemper's just feels like he's not giving us a chance, but we're we're good, so we win anyway. Kemper we- comes back and is it just just a nine ten nine fifteen. You are golden. You're golden. We talked about that after the game one. Like Kemper is not making the saves that you need to make. That they may not be the spectacular save, but it's a save you need to make. Right. You know, and not every shot's going to be perfectly defended. Sometimes you just need a godforsaken save. And not everything's going to be perfect. And, you know, and not everything you can look and be like, oh, well, that's his fault. This happened. On sometimes you just need him to make the stop. Yeah. You just need to make the stop. And I I truly believe he is not 100% healthy when he came back in that blue series. I mean, there's no, there's no, rational reason why he got he went from being one of the best goalies in the league to being one of the worst in the league after after that right i mean and you can say like oh well towards the end of the season he started to trail off a little bit not that badly no he was at least making big saves the abs were not good in front of him the abs sucked in front of him it was a big problem how bad they were playing that's why they were letting goals it wasn't a temper and also it's just interesting that it really only took a shot or two to the head to flip to to swell up to my god to flare uh, i almost said swell up that flaring to flare up that swelling again in his eye that tells me no he was not 100 percent healthy and the way bednar talked after the game or the day after is like there were some circumstances 
that had it even in question. That's very interesting. I don't think he was fully healthy at all in the Blues series. And that might not even just be his eye. It makes so much sense, dude. It makes so much sense because he was he was bad in the St. Louis series. He wasn't bad. He wasn't great. He was very. There were games where he was. There was one game where he was like, "You are the sole reason we are not winning this game." And And there there was a couple other games where he was just okay. But he did enough to get the job done. Yeah, I agree. So we're both in agreement. It's Frankie's net until Darcy's completely healthy. And if if Frankie that that could be game four, it could be game seven of the next series. Like you yeah, just I mean, it, I mean, if Kemper's fully healthy and Frankie lets in four in the second period next game, it's Kemper's net until the end. If Frankie goes on the road and he only allows two, he stays a net for the next game. Yeah. You it's ride the hot hand. You don't argue with the hot hand, and you don't try to overthink it. Look at what the Wild did. It cost the Wild their season. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't trust Talbot and the hot hand. They're like, no, we want the playoff experience of Mark Andre yeah. Fleury, the myth of playoff performance from Mark Andre Fleury. We bought into that one, and like, oh well, shit. Well, now we're losing the series. Let's put Talbot in for Game Six, and oh, he hasn't played in a month. Yeah. You so, don't you don't argue with your goalies. Goaltending is voodoo. They will tell you with their performance who should play. It's Frankie. And Frankie did the job tonight. I, I did not expect a shutout. I was I, did, I had a feeling he was going to have a big game shutout against the oil after an eight six game. You're telling me either team was having a shutout. I mean, I, th- I think Drew made some money because I think he bet plus nine. Oh, I bet the under. Right, yeah. right, well, Drew, Drew, I think Drew bet plus 900 on a shutout just for either side in this game. So he, he makes money off of this. That's respect. Good for Drew. But, yeah, I, I agree. You don't you don't mess with fate right now. You, you ride the hot hand and whoever and, is. And you never know there. sometimes. This team loves Frankie. And you, obviously, you were all, obviously you were in the crowd. The crowd loves Frankie. They were yeah. chanting his name after the anthem. Yeah, wait, it was Maybe. just – go ahead. I think that helped him. I did too, but that's my point. You're getting the buy-in from everyone right now for Frankie, and that's this is not an indictment on people don't like Darcy Kemper. Not at all. People adore Pablo Francois. The team loves him. The coaches love him. The fans love him. Maybe you just ride that little bit of magic and the power of friendship to a Stanley Cup. <laughs> Strange, stranger <laughs> things have happened. Yeah, Jordan Bennington won the Stanley Cup, so you never know, man. Yeah, I mean, they were very tight, the group of scumbags, you know. Yeah. Oh, it's funny, dude. You know the uh, term thick, thick as thieves. Yeah. I, I, looking back at game three, I'm trying not to be a homer. I honestly think it's a 50-50 chance the abs go up 3 nothing. I think that's very fair. I mean, they were, they're clearly the better team in this series. I'm trying not to be a homer though. I'm trying not to be a homer. I think if looking at this objectively, the Oilers last hope is home ice. That's the only thing that really hasn't been tested in this series is, is their home ice going to be enough? But the avalanche are undefeated on the road. It's really just kind of a unstoppable force versus an immovable object because how'd they do against the king? They went two and two against the Kings. They lost one and five. Yep. They one was Mike Smith's fault five. Yep. They just weren't particularly great, but they still had a comeback in that game. If I'm remembering right, it was, yeah. they were down yeah. four, two and tied it. There's, there's a 0.01% chance that Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl don't score a point again. So I, I'm trying to be impartial. If the Avs were to lose one of these two games, I wouldn't be shocked if it's game three. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I kind of prefer it to be game three, wouldn't you? Yeah. Because you like, because all of a sudden you lose game four and you're going to get the Canadian media be like, oh, is this just going to be a three nothing comeback? That'd be an annoying narrative to deal with for two days. Yeah. So, so I, I, I'm 50 50. And I think that's m- credit more to the Avs because usually when you're going home down to love, like it's, it's not you're usually going to pick the home team 90% of the time, but I'm 50, 50. The abs are just rolling right now, man. They're, that was a damn good game. And we yeah. saw how they responded after they had a shit game against the blue yeah. team too. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe that's the concern. How do they handle their own momentum right now? We'll see. Yeah. Cause against Nashville, they did pretty well. And uh, against the blues, there was really only one trip up. Yeah. 
like, they're not going to sweep this series. They aren't. I don't but... know, man. Maybe they do. If they play like that, that's that's tough to beat. It really is. If they if they lock down McDavid, there's gonna. I agree, they're not going to sweep. I think there's just going to be a game where McDavid and Drysdale just get loose Go and put up like three and put up like three points each. I think that's due for one. But they they got to win four games now. Four of six. And only give us one. They need to go four and one against the Avs. And we just showed how hard it is to beat us. With our goaltending a mess in game one, no one knows what the fuck is going on. They scored six goals and lost. And the next game, backup goalie in net. The Avs adjusted to the series, and it wasn't close. Well, and you know the whole Canadian meme was like, this happened in game one against Calgary. It's going to happen again in game two. And it did not. Yeah. I think we said on the show it might happen that way, and it did not. It was the complete opposite. I mean, no two series are the same. Look at our game two against the Blues. Terrible. And for game game the playoffs. Yeah. For game two with the Oilers and the Flames. Oilers were down two nothing, three nothing. Yeah, two nothing or three one, I think, at one point, and came back to win that game. Yep. You can't rely on that in a different series against a better team. And a better better defenseman. We talked about that all year with the Flames. Better coach. Sorry. Sorry. I'm stuck in my throat there. Yeah, I, know, I know I know Daryl Sutter won Jack Adams today. Yeah. That's, why, that's why I make the underhand comment. Uh, Bednar's a better coach. Yeah. So don't cancel me or do <laughs> I don't send messages to my DM so I can ignore you. Yeah. Um, but I agree, man. If they go up three, nothing, that'd be fucking crazy. Like, I, but it's not crazy in that same aspect. Like, you know what I mean? Like it, it wouldn't shock me. Right. I mean, they're they're just the better team. I don't think it's too biased to say, yeah, they they might win game three just because they're better than Edmonton is. Yeah. I mean, anything can happen. Edmonton can have a great bounce back game, or they don't. Yeah. I think that this was more of a must win for the Oilers than I think people want to give credit to. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because now now they need to win both games. Yeah. Like they they can win game three all they want. You got to win two in a row. Yeah, you can't go down three one. Yeah, and they did it against Calgary, barely. No, no, they didn't. They they were up. They were they split at home against so, Calgary. No, they won both. They won four in a row. No, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think they can do that against the Avs. Well, that's what I, that's exactly what I mean. They won both yeah. at home in Edmonton, but barely. They had they were up three to nothing in Game Four because of that gaff by Mike Smith, and it took the Flames just giving up another terrible goal to give the Oilers the win. And now again, the Avalanche are better than the Flames. As much as people didn't want to admit that in the regular season, we can say it now. The Avs are better than the Flames. you got a much taller task ahead of you with that. So we'll see. I, I can't wait for Saturday's game three. Monday's game four is going to be tough uh, because it looks like I'm going to have to work through the first period. I'm not going to lie. So I'll try my best to watch. but. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping – I know you just said that you'd want them to win game four and lose game three. I'm hoping it's the opposite. <laughs> I, mean, I, <laughs> they want, I want them to win both games. But if, if you're putting a gun to my head and telling me you have to lose one of these games, I'd take game three. Oh, see, I'm Just because you want to close out the series on your first try. Yeah, fair. But we'll see. Um, I got nothing else for this episode, man. I had yeah. a blast talking about this one. Um, well, I guess we can look across the, the pond in the Eastern Conference. Oh, Yeah. The Rangers 6-2 over Tampa Bay. Just like uh, everyone predicted. Just like we predicted. By the time you listen to this, game two on Saturday. What do you think about this one? Does Tampa lose two in a row for the game first time? Game two on Friday. Friday. Saturday's us. Right, because it's, it's Friday for me. It's now. Friday for I'm you. I'm looking at my laptop. Yeah. It says Friday because it's 12.46 a.m. because I'm not yeah. in Denver anymore. Yeah. But Friday, by the time you're listening to this, which is today for everybody, does Tampa lose two in a row for the first time in no 16 games or no they chance. tie in this series? I'm betting the mortgage of my house on the Lightning to win this game. Like the Lightning were bad in game one. It reminded me of Vegas in game one last year where they just, they couldn't do anything because no. they, but for the opposite reason, because they had been off for nine days, except yeah, yeah. Vegas played a day prior or two days prior in a game seven. It happens from time to time, but I also don't think the Lightning care. The, losing they got killed in game one against Toronto. It does not matter to them. Like, if anything, that just proved to me the series may go six games. 
I, I had the lightning in six as my original prediction. I'm sticking to that. My only hesitation is the Rangers are really feeling themselves right now. Really feeling themselves. Igor is on a high right now. That team has a ton of confidence. They're not the Leafs. We're a brittle-ass Leafs team that is terrified of losing in the first round. The Rangers are ahead of schedule in the conference final. And until Vasilevsky takes the title back, because it's going to go game by game who the best goalie in the world is, right now it does belong to Igor because he outperformed him in game one. Right now the Rangers have the best goalie in the world. And they feel good about that. And they're getting goals. The kid line's rolling. Zibanejad's got a goal in like five straight games. I don't know, man. I think this series might be a little more interesting than we gave it credit for. I still think Tampa's going to win, but there's a confidence with this Rangers team right now. They're, they're, they're going to be good, and it's going to be hilarious when they trade all of those young prospects away for an old Patrick Kane to reunite him with Artemi Panarin. Um, but I, I still think I agree with you. Light, lightning in six. All I will say game. this. If the Rangers do win game two, I think they win the series. Yeah. I agree. Mean, old take the team up to nothing wins the series, but that breaks the lightning streak of yeah. non-consecutive losses. I think that's big. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I still think I, until the lightning lose, I'm going to believe they're going to win. Exactly. I'm, I'm the same way. I still think the lightning win the series, but I don't know. I don't know. Something feels a little off about this right now and i don't know at some point the gas runs out eventually they, it does. they had a bunch of time off and i don't know maybe you can't afford to to lose that game maybe the rangers take this in seven and that game one becomes very important that'd be pretty funny because if T- tampa can win uh what's the freaking word i'm looking for here non-sequential i don't know like they, they can keep up their streak and not losing two in a row all they want if that happens the whole way, the Rangers win the series. Yeah. They've got to win two in a row. Yeah. I, and they very I just, well might. I believe they're going to. But Yeah, I just – the Rangers, to me – the, They're the worst analytical team in the playoffs. But yeah. sometimes you just get this where – Where was this just, in 2013 where the Avs were the Rangers and the Avs got bounced in the first what, round? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be funny if we do play – if we play essentially the Avs with a better goalie in that from 2013 in the final? Oh, that would be so fun. I mean, we have talked about the, the Avs and the Rangers for a couple of years now being on the same, like, trajectory of just going up, 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 and up. I mean, the Rangers are a little ahead of schedule right now, but this is – I did, a, I did an interview with the, the Rangers guys at our network last summer when I first moved into my new place, and we, we talked about this. They're like, there might come a time where the Avs and Rangers meet not once but multiple times in the Stanley Cup final with the trajectories that they're on. I wasn't expecting this soon for them to even be in the conversation. They're, they're three wins away. Yeah, they're three wins away. I, I want to give them credit, but I still just think they're the luckiest team on the face of they the are, They're absolutely so lucky. But what do you need in the playoffs more than goaltending and luck? That's true. I mean, that's truly all it is sometimes is luck. I mean, uh, hockey is a great sport. and takes a lot of skill, but sometimes it just comes down to luck. Like the Pittsburgh Penguins the past two years have had terrible luck. It's that's so funny to me because the the Penguins are, were clearly like the best, one of the best teams of the first round, like analytical wise, they were dominant against the Rangers. There's like, you compare all the teams in the playoffs. The Penguins are the only team above 60% expected goals. The Rangers are dead last at 39. It's crazy, dude. They're it's- the luckiest team in the in the NHL. And they could luck their way into a Stanley Cup championship. They really could. They, they really could. 39% expected goals. The team they beat in the first round at 63. The Avs are 59.38. They're second. The Rangers have played 15 games. This is not a sample size. They are dead last. Yeah. And they it's... might legitimately go to the Stanley Cup final. Hockey, baby. Hockey. The <laughs> Hockey, dumbest, baby. the dumbest sport. The dumbest but most beautiful sport in the face of the planet. Oh. All right. I think we're on the same page. Like right. they're not even riding a crazy shooting percentage. They're at 8.61. The Oilers are at 11 and we're at nine. Like they're fifth in shooting percentage and they're third of teams left. Makes no sense, man. It really doesn't. But I do think Tampa ties the series. I think they have to. Yep. And 
I still think they win that series just because I have to stick with the lightning. I mean, we've seen teams win game one before and it doesn't matter. So it's going to be plenty interesting. The abs are not in the Stanley cup final yet, but I have been, been monitoring this very closely because like, this is just the kind of thing that sticks around forever with the team you play in the Stanley cup final, like for the next 20 years, when you play them, that sticks around. Yep. I just like to think about stuff like that, but I, I can't wait two wins away from going to the Stanley cup final. We're, we're getting closer. If this team plays this way again, they, 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 they're going to go to the cup final. They play this way. So if they don't go to the cup finals, because they collapsed, it's not because the Oilers beat them. And that's still a real possibility, but right now we're riding high. We're feeling good. And we're going to get ready for Saturday. Yep. And so, I mean, I got nothing else. I think, I think we've covered just about everything in this game. So that was a, that was a lot more fun in game one. Game oh, one yeah. was very chaotic, but I, I was exhausted during that. Oh, episode. yeah. I was this, exhausted. This one I, I had tons of energy for because the third period, like I said, I got to relax the whole time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, got, I, was, I was still adjusting to coming back home, so I That's was tired, true, too. too. I, could, I took a good nap today, so I'm raring to go. It's 1 a.m. Back, <laughs> back on my normal schedule of depriving myself of sleep for podcast episodes because it didn't happen in Denver. We'd be done at 11, so. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's 11 o'clock right now and we're done exactly my, exactly <laughs> my point i'd go to bed at a normal hour over there but yeah i i think we covered just about everything to do in this one this was a lot of fun i pre- i love games like this i prefer them like this where we give up nothing and it's stress-free let's do that like for the next i'd love that that'd be the perfect the way let's just never lose again yeah that'd be great <laughs> I, I promise to stop coming to games <laughs> Uh, but Coolio, man, I had a blast. Let's, uh, let's send these people on their merry way. Yep. So that's going to do it for this edition of the tell it abs. It is podcast on the hockey podcast network. Thank you all so very much for tuning in. As always, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at G Young's NHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore belay, and you can follow the show at tell it abs it is where i've just been dragging the oilers for the last two hours for being a dirty team if you want to laugh at that go right ahead if you want to send me nasty dms for making fun of your favorite team and your favorite player please direct them to my inbox i will not read them but if it makes you feel better i don't care so thank you all so very much for tuning in and we will catch you all next time after game three so enjoy the game we'll see you then let's go abs